Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Canon Talk on this Good Friday. I'm your host, Warner, and my coach as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Arsenal taking taking on Brighton, hoping to come back strongly after you know the Eagles put us to the sword, hoping to take on the Seagulls now, and hopefully to you know right our arms from what happened on Monday Night Football. So, I mean, the Gunners needed a serious uh, morale boost, as you said, going into this match. Um, but, I mean, from the get-go, I wasn't really happy with the, like, you know, when I saw the lineup and how everything was now set up, seeing that uh, Xhaka now needed to be slotted in at left-back. And I, I really feel, even with uh, Lokonga coming in, I felt the squad then also needed his experience, really, in, in midfield. Yeah. And it kind of imbalanced the squad. I uh, 100% agree with you. Initially, I thought when I saw Emil Smith-Rowe and um, Odegaard playing together in the middle, I thought, you know, maybe it's going to be a Chavi in the still like combo, but you got to look at it also. Chavi in the had a Busquets behind him. I'm not saying a Xhaka's a Busquets, but he could have, you know, done it role protecting in the midfield, adding that bit of leadership. But it was almost a very inexperienced midfield. I mean, playing Xhaka out left, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, it's a home game, you know, you could have, even though I haven't been a fan of Tavares of late, it could have maybe, you know, maybe he's equipped as a, a defender better away from home. But it's almost you, you nullify that attacking sense for your game. And, you know, uh, like you said, from the get-go already, you weren't happy. Yeah. So the game kicks off. Um, you know, Brighton start very positive. Cucurella uh, has always been kind of a thorn in our side since he's now been playing in England. Uh, he ends up releasing Trossard, who kind of bursts on a run, but I mean, the ball of Cucurella gets over it, and the ball skips away. Uh, in the 13th minute, Basuma lets fly from, from about uh, 30 yards. I mean, uh, the ball, ball flies over the bar, and I mean, for me, then, then I started realizing Arsenal in, in a fair bit of trouble here, because I mean, even 15th minute, Arsenal was struggling to string passes together, and <clears throat> This is also going to lead to a point later on that I'm going to make in, in like the talking point section as well. About it's it's almost like our plan is we kind of found out now by but but after what Palace did, and I mean for me it's a concern because for me it's also also asking questions of Arteta and 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 you know does he have something to combat? It? Yeah, no. And, and, and like I also mentioned in previous podcasts as well, you look at this Arsenal side, if they don't start with the ground running and the other team kind of starts with a head of steam against them, they seem to battle to find their way back into the game. And it was like without Party, with Tomiyasu, without Tierney, the team looked very also flat. And like you want to wonder, are these players tired as well? I mean, you know, they haven't played international fixtures, but they've been playing game after game after game. And at the moment when they get injured, they have to, and they come back, they get thrown into it because, you know, there's almost no player to compete for the position. I mean, party, for example, I mean, we, we it's been 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the game and we discussed and you could see the hole is left in the team. And like you said, Arteta as well, does he have a plan B? Yeah. And I mean, for me, uh, what was it? there was a set and also popped about Lacazette with uh, no, uh, he hasn't scored an open play for the last 16 matches, and I'm thinking, is this not really someone we're going to have to depend on to fire us into Europe, let mm-hmm. alone, you know, top six in itself? It's not good enough, and 
like I think we've spoken about, I don't know if it was even privately, where you said you need a consistent goal scorer. I mean, he is, like I said, working hard off the ball, he's doing this, doing that. But what happens when that wild drives up with, you know, Millsmith, Osaka, um, you know, Martinelli? These guys aren't proven goal scorers. You know, they, they, they do get goals, but what happens when they can't find the back of the net? Who's going to carry the load? I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's so lacking confidence that, you know, in situations he, he either jerks his shot or or he doesn't even see a, 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 his teammate in a better position and he'll, like, you know, try to take a shot. I mean, that one shot against, I think it was Villa, when he could have actually passed it to one of his teammates for an easy goal, but he decides to take a shot and misses. Yeah, the 23rd minutes with Rowan, Saka getting Charles' way. And I mean, I think Saka was actually better suited to have a proper goal. And I mean, it was kind of summing up how things are going for Arsenal at the moment. Then, 28th minute. Uh, for me, uh, since he's come back from the EFL Cup, I'm being proud that he hasn't been the same player. And it's starting to show more and more. Yeah, and then I mean, 28th minute. Arsenal, I don't know how, what sort of laps they end up going through, but. The defence push out, I think Cedric ends up hanging back. And uh, what's the guy, Muepu ends up, you know, making a delayed run. He gets behind the defensive line. And I mean, by the time he cuts the ball at the 45, I mean, Arsenal seems so sluggish. Lukonga's not tracking back. Every, like, you know, the defence is almost like half dropping further back than they should be instead of closing down. And I mean, Trossard comes in and he just plays the ball past uh, Ramsdale. 1-0 Brighton. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we missed the guy like Thomas Party because nobody tracked that late running, arriving Trossard who, who allowed him, found himself in open space. I mean, Chaka was also yeah, yeah. out of position, you know, not picking up the runner. But I mean, you know, he's not the left back. You know, you can blame him, he's professionals. But also, you know, why are you forcing Chaka? You know, he doesn't, he's not the fastest player in our team to, to, to play a left back position. So, you know, you did also mention Trossard uh, last week, you know, somebody that we should watch out for because he always seems to find his way to score parts Arsenal and lo and behold, you know, he makes it 1-0 to Brighton. And I mean, uh, something that also bothers me, and I'm, I'm sure you will experience this as well like when you play. Uh, if somebody tells you sometimes, like, you know, if you've played now, say, a, a span of, say, six months in, in a position, and all of a sudden they tell you, you know, you're going to drop into a different position, during the course of the game, you're going to get that inkling of dropping into your old position. And you can see, yeah. Jacques, even though he was left back, he was ending up trying to get himself in the centre of midfield. And I'm thinking, there's a gaping hole open there. Nobody's really like filling it up. And, and nobody's also doing any talking to say, look, this area needs to be plugged up. Uh, then 37 minute, uh, Lewis Dunk makes a fantastic uh, block to deny Smith Rowe. But I mean, again, Smith Rowe's very tentative with his shooting. And uh, I mean, Adds to, adds to the frustration. Then on the stroke of halftime, also do find the back of the net when Martinelli bundles the ball over. But I mean, after VAR check, the you know it, it gets called offside. But this is my biggest gripe of that whole incident. You can clearly see Cucurella's foot is like about half a foot from the goal line, and by the time they, this is where I find VAR can be very sly. I don't want to sound conspiratorial or whatever, but the minute they give the the, the um, decision as goal, I'm sorry, no goal, they don't show you that angle because normally they're going to show you the, the you know the way they freeze frame it and and do the lines in it. 
there was nothing of that. I don't know how you, what sort of coverage you were getting, but certainly my side, there was nothing given because they were just trying to give it almost like an angle shot of the incident that's frozen. But even then, you could still see Cucurella's foot if you go down the line, like the offside line. You can clearly see Cucurella's foot is playing Martinelli onside. Once again, VAR um, kind of doesn't go in our favour. Not that, you know, it should go in your favour, but I mean, yeah. these marginal calls, these these lucky calls, luck of the draw seems to be going against us, but I mean, VAR never just seems to work in our favour. I mean, they say a decision should be overruled with a clear and obvious error. You know, it was like yeah. cricket where you have that Hawkeye and it's um, I know, marginal call. They stay yeah. with the with the on-field decision. The, if they had the referee say offside, and you know that VAR is checking and they can't give conclusive evidence when they say offside, fine. That if his goal was a clear and obvious error to say that that should not be a goal, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, because, the, yeah. I look, if you take this, this past few days now of watching the Champions League as well, no? like if even the Europa League game of last night with Barcelona and Frankfurt. The minute the decision was made that Busquets was offside with his one uh, ball he, that he netted, uh, they clearly showed the freeze frame of why he's being called offside. Because you can actually see the, you know, the clear distance. Because I mean, the ref gave the goal and then they did the, the check and whatever. And then you could clearly see, and, and you were given not only a freeze frame, but you were also giving those two lines to show the last man's uh, feet or arm or whatever, or shoulder. And where Busquets' uh, foot was uh, at the point of, of him touching the ball over the line. And this is what I find really frustrating. So the first time, you know, we are as, as almost, you know, we, we, we get VAR into kind of have accurate decisions and, you know, like you said, clear and obvious error. You know, Arsenal maybe scores a goal similar to that. And the refs is off, well, lines versus offside. They have a look at it and they don't give it because they'll say there's no clear and obvious, you know, evidence to say that the on field decision was incorrect. Like you said, there was no detail and in depth, um, you know, taking the four minutes to decide that it's not a goal. And, you know, it's it's just a VAR every time, you know, when Arsenal has a VAR check done. You kind of really know it's not going to go our way. Not that it's repeating rules, but you know what I mean. I mean, I just find the VAR way where it's done in the UK is like sorry to say, but piss poor because yes. when you when you see how it's done in, in in look, I watch a lot of German football, I watch a lot of uh, La Liga, and of course like the European football. These people actually you'll see the officials go there to see everything. Yeah, it's like you know they're just fling all the power in that person's hand in the. In the studio, and more often than not, these guys are not competent enough to handle that old computer setup in there. No, hundred percent. I mean, you as the, you as the ref. I mean, you the ref makes the ultimate decision. You blow the final whistle. You red cards. I mean, you decide things. So you know, even if you get the linesman to get involved, since it's an offside call, I mean, the linesman should have a look and you know whether he's even happy with his on-field decision or if he sees something that should have been, but. Now you're making you know somebody that's not even involved sometimes as a ref to make a decision and it's it's just pandemonium. Yeah. So uh second half starts and that and I mean for me which was like all like a, for me like a bitter pill, pill to swallow, but on Arsenal just looking lackluster, no ideas really. Brighton looked lively, looked like 
you know, they wouldn't have scored if, at any point they going on the attack. Even though, I mean, they weren't like, you know, peppering rings, though, but I mean, they, they were dominating midfield. Arsenal were really on the back foot and struggling and not, you know, not looking impressive at all. And then mm-hmm. 67 minutes, 60 seconds, sorry. And Ketty ends up coming on. Uh, Smith Rowe comes off. And again, I find it was like a toothless performance from Smith Rowe. But I mean, again, that this was down to, you know, Arteta, the way he's playing, because I think he causes, uh, Smith Rowe causes more chaos if he plays in that number 10 role. Because I think this is where he can also make better use of Odegaard, because look, he can tackle, he can, uh, you know, go into attack. But I mean, he's more alert to also tackle in that. So I just think. This is where we also more shortcomings coming from the midfield, and I mean it, it does get concerning. Then, uh, 69th minute, oh, sorry, 66th minute, uh, Sacedo, uh, digs a ball across the goal, and I mean Arsenal failed to again clear the line, holding midfield again, not anywhere around the box. The ball ends up getting off cleared, and Muepu it's a half volley that flies into the net, two no Brighton. You know, that's the story I come up to the, the luck story, you know. Arsenal have been unlucky. They have a VAR goal chalked, chalked up. And Muebo, does he score that goal? You know, if he eats it this weekend in that same position, that type of volley, I think he probably finds it out. No disrespect to the player. Yeah. But that also comes into play, you know, that VAR decision. And, you know, you can't base games on a decision. But, you know, if, if that goal stands, which could have stood on another day, would Arsenal have been that open at 1-1? Would they have been, you know, still playing the way they were playing at 1-0 at, at down compared to 1-1? I don't think so. But, you know, sloppy defending for Arsenal, you could say they still were missing that um, proper defensive midfielder to snuff out danger. But, I mean, you know, what's a strike? I mean, he's not going to probably score a goal like that again. It just always happens to Arsenal, it seems. But... 2-0 down and you kind of knew that I think was on the wall and that, you know, if we were able to get a draw, you would take it. And that's what we another sickening stat I find is like, uh, before the match, uh, Brighton only netted 6% of their shots in the league. <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, also, you see, it's like all these wonder stats or wonder things happen against us where people can be on horrific runs or whatever, and then all of a sudden, bang, they play us. And they they got they get the the goals and it and it was like we totally look at sixes and sevens against uh, teams of sorry to say but like Brighton's quality. Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't know what to say actually. Uh, I'm I'm really angry and I mean oh, you can carry on with the game but oh, it's just it's frustrating. Yeah, I just need some puring of the soul. <laughs> get this out of the system. This is the first minute. Also, screw up, you know, a freaky in the dangerous area that I thought was going to be, you know, eat into the box. Arsenal try, I don't know what, I mean, that playing it like, you know, short of the wall or something like that, where, where somebody broke off the wall to try to get the ball in there. But I mean, it was a total, you know, balls up with the opportunity, which was like, I mean, to at least get some bodies in the box. Because I remember, I think Ben White was really annoyed because he now made a run all the way from the Arsenal half to get into the, the uh, Brighton box and then just to mess up a free kick like Yeah, I mean, those type of things, I mean, you're 2-0 down, just put the ball in the box, go back to basics. 
Yeah, then 24th minute, uh, Pepe comes on, uh, Martinelli goes off, because I think he was also just running into blind alleys again. Like, you know, the, the Bournemouth match were on, because I really thought he'd be more of an attacking threat. But uh, things were also getting too predictable the way he was playing. Um, then 84th minute, Saka cuts the ball back to... Yeah, I think I just lost internet connection, some technical error here. I mean. But I may be back. Uh, no, because I just wanted to say, I don't know, we had cut off, but I mean, I think the fourth minute, 74th minute, you spoke about Saka. Oh, was it? Pepe, but yeah, 74th minute, you ended off. When, yeah, when Pepe came on for Martin Ali, who was, I mean, I found he was like, you know, doing nothing much really. Uh, then 84th minute, Saka cuts the ball back to Pepe. Dunk ends up helping to swallow the ball with the keeper Sanchez. And the ball, the you know, the goalbound effort gets, you know, cleared away. But I mean, Arsenal starting to show some sort of fight, but again, not, I mean, you actually wonder where was this sort of fight uh, before? Yeah, it's a little delayed. I mean, how can you wake up so late in a game when you're chasing a top four race, which is in your hands? You literally had this opportunity to to kind of not run away with it but just put daylight between yourself and man united who just lost to everton before and you know knowing you can put pressure on spurs who's playing villa later which is not always the easiest game but we've turned out like that and only show up you know 84th minute onwards yeah the 88th minute arsenal the post twice first from the odegaard freak specs the, the post and bar the ball comes out and then Eden Ketia, who I think should have had a bit of a cool head, he eats the rebound again, again high, and it ends up beating the crossbar and it bounces away. And I'm thinking, you know, it's you know, it's just not going to be our day when you see moments like this happen. Yeah, no, it's like I said, Arsenal just don't have that bit of luck. I mean, that VAR decision goes against you, hitting the post twice from Weber, hitting a scream and like that, something you won't do again. Like what you. Oh, what do you do in situations like that? You know, we just don't have the love of the game at the moment. Yeah. Then 89th minute, Odegaard out of nothing ends up letting fly from about 25 yards. The ball ends up flicking Danny Welbeck's leg and it ends up flying past the keeper. 2-1. And on another day, it could have easily been 3-2 Arsenal. 3-1 Arsenal. But yeah, like you said, 2-1 Arsenal. And, you know, you're kind of hoping for... I think it was, it was six minute injury time, and you're hoping for some medical to happen. You know, you're just looking at the clock and hoping somebody would conjure up some piece of magic. But this Arsenal team also doesn't have a player in the team that can conjure up something from nothing. The 93rd minute of the, yeah, as you said, this was six minutes injury time. Yeah. Lokonga ends up letting fly from about 30 yards. Keeper ends up pulling up a fantastic save. Then, uh, 95th minute. Ketia makes up. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Is him that that header that he ends. And I mean, you can see the ball is goal bound. And I mean, a Brighton keeper Sanchez pulls off a world of a save. Yeah, that, that was basically that. Yeah, full time and you know, totally, totally deflated because you know, then a few hours later, Spurs go to Aston Villa. They end up 
I think they are now plus 19 and we are plus 9. Yeah, and, and if you look at that goal difference, it just stemmed from two games. We lost 3-0 and we lost um, two odds. That's negative four goals. They've won 4-0 and then, you know, I, I'm not sure what they did last week. But but... Yeah, but they've won uh, because I think Newcastle they put five past them. Yes. Past Walla, so they're flying now. It's, you know, they're eating form at the right time of the season where Arsenal now are are, are, are looking, you know, almost at the beginning of the season form. Yeah. Uh, so we move our attention to the Southampton Arsenal game uh, tomorrow, fourteenth uh, versus fifth. Uh, I mean, I'm just, like I think uh, what this one stat here. So because I mean, look, Southampton got tonked six 0 against Chelsea. So. There's talk that that Hazenutal might also make, you know, drastic changes. Or, I mean, I don't know if he's going to pull a Fergie and almost like, you know, you got us in this space, now you get us out of it. So, I'm not sure how you're going to, you know, go about things. But, I mean, it's again, a, this is, we're not facing again a team and, and, and it's, it's, there's a stat that's now been flown <laughs> and it's, it's a great sickening because the last league win for Southampton has been on the 25th of February against Norwich. Sure. So, I mean, up to the end, they've lost, I mean, uh, you know, a good handful yeah. of and I think got like one point in the last six or seven. But, I mean, it's again, you know, like, uh, this match is again, you know, like, kind of queued up to play us in it, uh, that bizarre state again, like that. Yeah, uh, and don't forget, I think Tottenham play Brighton just before, so you wonder, you know, are they going to just push Brighton aside due to, you know, having the better quality and putting pressure on us to having to, you know, Peter Hampton, I think they play the earlier kickoff. Uh, yeah, and we play the four o'clock. So, you know, it could be a case of if Arsenal, you know, if if, if Brighton again turns a ridiculous stat, I mean, Brighton Hampton, you know, ends their horrific run. You wonder if that if that tickets for Arsenal for the for the top four race. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I felt it was like tickets against Palace already because the minute I saw they knew exactly how to play us. Uh, you know, to nullify us, to, to almost like make us struggle. And what, uh, and if you see almost like our key players making error upon error upon error, it tells you like, you know, Arteta's game is up in a way in their, with their tactic. And that's why I think he needs something, you know, really fast and, and, and drastic going into the Southampton game tactic-wise. Because uh, what you were saying in the start of the podcast, you can't use Saka, um, sorry, Saka at left back, you need him in midfield because I think we need to also pass the game because just bring on to their players, like, I mean, their key players for, for Southampton are Ward Prowse, Romeo and Walker Peters. But I mean, yeah. Ward Prowse and Romeo, that is like the heart of the midfield. So they are going to, you know, try to press and, and, and Harry and whatever. So we need to be on point there because, I mean, from the goals department, Southampton, Che um, Adams, he's like on seven, Ward Prowse on seven and Broya on six. I mean, there's that Chelsea Loney guy who's quite uh, good. 
And then, I mean, with the assist, the top three is Redmond, War Prowse uh, again, and then uh, Trey Adams again. Because, I mean, for me, we always seem to have problems with Redmond to deal with him when he's yeah. and running at either fullback. I mean, because look, he's somebody that can play left or right wing. Uh, I mean, I just think to myself, I mean, they really going to probably try to, you know, show up the defence first and foremost. So that's probably going to be, again, a frustrating game for Arsenal to try to, you know, break their lines. If Arsenal don't start strong, I feel we're going to be in trouble again. Because, uh, like, if we don't get into first gear in the first 10 to 15 minutes, it's going to be a long day at the office. And I think, yeah. you know, if, I don't know, uh, I, I, just, I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm feeling frustrated because you look at this Arsenal team before the international break and you and I would have probably been smiling, laughing, you know, this is our season. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, you need to end top four to kind of attract players in, in, yeah. into, your, into the club and keep players. But, you know, is Arteta going to be good enough a coach to to figure the, those things out and try to come up with a, a, a plan? I mean, yes, we've been unfortunate with, with injuries to players, but, you know, Chelsea, I mean, Tottenham did lose Son at some point this season and they managed to cope and still get to where they are. But, you know, you you got to wonder now, you know, is it the fault of top management that that, that couldn't get the, the signings done and letting players go? Yeah, but look, I mean, that's going to lead me also to that point with the talking points, like, you know, once we're done with the, with the main podcast. Because I mean, I'm going to now, you know, blend it into the game on Wednesday. That's now the supposed like, the game in the end now for us. Uh, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Um, oh, what a game in hand to have. Eh? Yeah, I'm not even I'm trading that at all because I'm sure um, Thomas Tuchel will have something planned up for Arsenal, definitely. I mean, look, the thing is, we now you know, go there to face the, the you know, the last season's Champions League winners. And I mean, they now just came over also a loss now this past week against Real Madrid in the quarterfinals and also have a, a FA Cup semi-final on Sunday. So, you just wonder, because look, they had like one, 120 minutes against uh, Madrid, and you just wonder how they are going to physically be, not only to play the Palace game, but then also, I think it, they get like something like a two-day break, and then they back at it again when they play us on the Wednesday. So, I mean, uh, compared to the two teams, I think we actually struck worse with injuries, because all, like, all our key players, that are, now most of them are out. Um, even though I think, uh, you know, even though we now had like a longer layoff, I still think we're going to be probably be sluggish in this game. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate saying it, but I mean, because yeah, I mean, love Arsenal through and through. But I just think, also, you try to get yourself, you know, you know, amped up and whatever for the game, and then you just think to yourself, but is it not worth, you know, getting yourself amped up and then you're going to see uh, it was like a non-performance again? Yeah, do, do you actually... You know, see uh, the, uh, this awesome current side, you know, rising up to the challenge and beating Chelsea because, you know, I don't go too far ahead, but you play, you know, Southampton could, could go either way. I mean, yeah. if Arsenal don't turn up, we, we could throw the game away. Then you play Chelsea, then you play Man United. Okay, Man United is, uh, you know, struggling at the moment, but you've seen worse Man United teams just come up and just beat Arsenal for the yeah. sake of it. And then you play West Ham away from home, you know, who's beaten Liverpool um, as well at, 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 at the, the home. So, 
you know, you could see yourselves way off the title, I mean, the top four days, if if they don't sort something out soon. And Charles is at the at Stafford Bridge, it's not going to be an easy game. I mean, yes, we got to win there last season, but I think their focus was elsewhere. Yeah, because I mean, I just think to myself, look, they're going to now want to also prove something. But I mean, my personal opinion with, with regards to the, the game on Sundays, I just hope Palace can also push them that extra. I mean, yeah. who knows even extra time or something like that. But push them the same way they did to us. But I mean, if, if you see Chelsea, you know, wipe the floor with Palace, it will just show you the gulf between, you know, where we are and which uh, uh, Chelsea are. Because look, Vieira already did his homework with us and he, you know, passes with a, like a plus. So I mean, I'm just seeing how Vieira, he is not set up against Chelsea. And then I think we can also make a better judgment on also how it plays out, you know, when we play them on Wednesday. Because then you can see if, if they're going to really make things tougher for uh, Chelsea, then we can at least kind of give us then a glimmer of hope, you know, that, that there could be something in. But my point is still with regards to that Chelsea game, I worry about left back. I mean, if, if something needs to be sorted, so I just hope we can get a bit more clarity for tomorrow's game when we play Brighton, where we can actually see. Southampton. Yeah, Southampton, where we can actually see an improvement. And then also, how are we going to play it out in, in, in midfield? How oh, that's going to happen? Yeah, because, I mean, you can't have a brittle midfield if you go to the bridge as well. You know, yeah. you're going to have to players fighting. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's such a sad state of affairs that we we left ourselves in the situation as well. I mean, I'm also wondering, like, look, since we play uh, with them on the first, uh, with them now going through in the... Um, Europa League, because I mean, I think they were the one fixture they play on the 28th and then the, the 1st of May. So I just wonder, it's going to probably come down to they're going to have to sacrifice something there, you know, how they're going to play it out. Because I can really see the way they've been, uh, the way David Moyes has them also set up, especially the Europa League. The further they're now getting, I think they will probably try to probably stay on more sacrifice than the, <coughs> sorry, the league for. I mean, I don't know how you would take that. No, no, no. I, I think so. I mean, if I was West Ham, I mean, you know, who knows kind of when they could get this far again in Europe. I mean, they've probably seen the, the Barcelona's out. I mean, you know, who knows? You know, this West Ham side could go all the way. I mean, it's the semi-finals now, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, they, did, they, did they do the draw yet or, or did they? Yeah, it's already the road to the finals, like, out here already because uh, West Ham play so, uh, Frankfurt first league. And then uh, they play the second leg, like I think just as well like we squeeze in between the, the um, Europa League fixtures. That's yeah, uh, uh, let's hope for like, you know, a tense of first leg because if they, you know, kind of come, come out there with a 1-0 win or like a 1-1 draw, you know, you, you do know where their focus will be because, yeah. you know, they, they, they come through out of the top, you know, the, the semi-finals, you know, they won win away. I mean... They could very well beat Rangers or oh, who's the who's the other team that's playing <laughs> that that could be a that could be a trouble game. You know, Leipzig. I can't see them beating Leipzig, but oh, I don't know your thoughts of Leipzig because I know you you follow the Bundesliga quite well. But I mean, I think West Ham stand a very good. I mean, if I was an Arsenal fan, I would I would probably be rubbing my hands together at the semi final. Yeah, and I mean, like uh, you know, just back to the the. Chelsea game, because I think I, I actually got caught up too much on the West Ham game. But um, with regards to the Chelsea game, I mean, when you go through the key players uh, and then you go through the goals and assists, 
I mean, Mason Mount is like top in everything. He's like the, the top uh, averaging player in, in, in player sets and, and performances. Goals, he's got 10 assists. He's also, I think, uh, knocking on, like, getting close to 10 already. And then, I mean, with other with other key players that they normally say could dominate, as like Georgino, who was recent against Madrid, and uh, Thiago Silva in defense. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's, 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 I'm, I'm scared actually, you know, I don't want this week to end and, you know, all comes falling down because we do yeah. need Spurs to kind of also fall off somewhere, you know, just to kind of release that pressure because, you know, we, like I said, we could see ourselves very far down at the bottom. I mean, who knows, you know, United string a few games together and suddenly they also, you know, breathing down our necks. I mean, for me, you know, we don't even have European football, but it feels like those. You know, when we used to be in the Champions League, they would get knocked out of the Champions League, <laughs> yeah. uh, FA Cup and whatever, all in one week, we yeah. it falls apart. And for me, it feels like that way. If, if things don't... And I think uh, the Southampton game is kind of the starting point. If yes. we can't get over that hill, then, I mean, I honestly don't know. We're going to go further on. I mean, I'm trying to be, you know, you know me, I'm trying to always be as positive as I can. Not that tie positive of oh, fan TV, also fan TV. But... Uh, I, I just want to see some sort of reaction. I mean, you look like you look, take out your 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 vent, your anger at the Southampton team. That's also you know you know a wobbly state at the moment. Yeah, let's let's just hope we can get the job done, and you know at least uh, you know uh, I, I'm a bit realistic. I think uh, even though it, it might dent the race, yeah, four points between yeah. um, um, Southampton and Chelsea. You know will. You know, a few weeks ago, you probably would have, you know, hugged each other and said, you know, I'll take that. But, you know, there's like an absolute worst case scenario now where, you know, you have to get, if Arsenal get anything less than four points, I think the top four race is over because yeah. I think that Antonio Conte, you know, even though he's not chasing for the title, he knows how to get over the line. I I, mean, I just think it's also based on, 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 um, you know, momentum now, they've got now that, you know, the wind behind their back. Because even if they, look, they still have to play, what was it, Liverpool, right? And I mean, Liverpool is the only tough and game I, besides us. And I think they'll probably take that on the chin that is, like, you know, yes. guaranteed loss. But as long as they keep on winning the other games, I mean, the ball is in their court. So, I mean, it's going to take, a, a, a you know, a, as you said, a massive collapse for us even to be in the reckoning again. But, I mean, we also have to do our job as as, as a team to get, you know, as you said now, four points out of the next two games at least, and then tackle United almost like with a total new approach. Because you know, this also leads me now to like with the with the talking points. Um, you know, for me, Arteta's tactics being found out against Palace. You know, it needs to also, as I said before, as the start of the podcast, you need to also show something new because it's not like once that once we get nullified, you don't see him alter things any any much like or any more in, in a game. He, he needs to be like the tinker man, Mr. Una Emery, you know, that had like, you know, had a plan B sometimes, all the time, because his plan A never worked, but um, we, we do need to see the different approach. I mean, we saw, remember when Arteta beat Man City and Liverpool back to back, but it's like Guardiola and Klopp, you know, found out very quickly how to nullify him. Yeah. And then I mean, the other talking point also, actually three that I saw, uh, like little, it's like a sub point. I mean, uh, these ridiculous rumors are floating around. I mean, the one I saw was first Gabriel, 
uh, to Barca plus three players, and I'm thinking, it was a weird like, it's all like, you don't even see it in a, in a sort of gaming feature. And, and I mean, like, with, with a minute, I already called bullshit on the rumor when I saw that Arsenal wanted uh, that, that as part of the deal, that Neto, the number two keeper of Barca, he doesn't get the game there. And, and I mean, we just bought Matt Turner that's coming in the summer. So where does this now, you know, you know, play into everything? But I mean, that was a ridiculous rumor. And then, of course, the other one was Morata and Eden Hazard. I mean, I honestly, when you, when you, you're, as an Arsenal fans already see uh, what Arteta has planned with the squad and, and what his project really is. And I don't see where somebody like that, that fires blanks every week and somebody like that can't even get a game at Madrid where they would fit into our team. Like, you know, that we, as you can see a sort of up-and-coming revolution starting by us if it's now, you know, tweet the right way. Because I don't think it's bringing in people like Morata or Hazard. I think it's going to come down to picking the next, it was like, you know, the next big thing in, in, in uh, football that, that not any of the big teams are already picking up on it. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's madness, there's rumors at the moment. Yeah, I think it's, as I said, no slow news. They, they come up with any, you know, all these BS rumors. Yeah, but I mean, that's just about it. Do you have any other talking points before Yeah, I, I, I just want to kind of know, you know, I still wait forward. I mean, we're up front. I mean, like I said, hasn't scored in open play for over 20 hours. You know, something you managed to mention. So, you know, what's the alternative? You know, Aiden Ketia. Like, what has he shown at the moment to say that he deserves a spot over, like, is it, like, has he even scored in, in the Premier League? I mean, oh, I mean, how, how, how was that your, you know, number two choice to play after, like, is it, I mean, knowing that, you know, if you're in a top four race, I mean, they could have signed anybody as a lone striker, but they haven't get here, who's not going to do anything. And I doubt they will ever start and get here over, like, is it, in the I, game. Yeah. In, in, you know, in his defense, I mean, and, you know, I'm his biggest fan or anything. But I just think he will actually stay up front and be a body in the box. Like I said, at the moment, is not doing it. And that is also adding to the frustration as us watching. And that because I don't know how many times, especially as you know, going through the rut now, every time when I see Martinelli make a run or sometimes in the, 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 the re opportunities or that for race forward, you see Saka go forward and, and Smith go forward. And they, yeah, they are actually looking up to look for the option up front, and there is nobody. And then you look in, like I said, it's almost like in line with him in midfield. And I'm thinking, you're supposed to be in the box. and Because, uh, I mean, we don't need a midfielder right now that, that does that. We need somebody there to, like, even if he's laying the ball up for somebody, but be there, make a nuisance of yourself. He's not, because he's getting bullied every time. And I think Eden Ketia, somebody is going to be more, you know, moving across the front line. I just think. There's certain tweaks to his game that he needs to, to, to you know, bring to, into it. Because I just think he needs to not put himself in front of the, you know, the, the display window to be, you know, bored in the summer. If he, like, you know, he's adamant of, of leaving. I mean, I've got a problem with it. But yeah. really, you know, put yourself about and show that you can't do something. Because what are other teams going to think if he wants to now leave the club? But he's not showing anything where he's a, a, a real danger. That's why this is now his opportunity. Because... You you got you now behind a striker that, that you know can't hit a bond or at the moment. So I mean, try doing something yourself as a young player. Okay, then two more two more quick um, questions before we end of the podcast. First of all, without thinking, do you think we can make top four? Yes. Second thing, 
would you be fine if you go back to our first part of our podcast? We said we'd be taking fifth place and play you at Open League next season. Yeah. Would that still make you happy? Yeah, because I just think we can. Then, I think even in the quality that we bring, if you can show a player, look, we we, we struggled in eighth for two seasons in a row. Then we, you know, bumped ourselves up to six. Even getting in the mix of a top four race, or actually, yeah, yeah top four race. So at least you know your sort of quality levels you can bring in can go also up that extra notch because now you're gonna have people playing extra games and you know have something to play for and also these squad players because I mean there was even like a curve walk question the other day we saw where people were, I'm not sure if there's any talks or whatever but we uh, they are actually saying if Arteta can even persuade Guendouzi to stay because he's having a fantastic time at, yeah. at Marseille at the moment. So maybe that should be the you know the sort of legs we're looking for that plays alongside party. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, uh, I was thinking that as well. That, that it could be an alternative. You can turn his head out to stay. You could have a world-class player and a world-class combination. Yeah. But yeah, let's see what happens and, and, and take it from there. Yeah. Okay, guys. Take care. Enjoy the Easter festival with you. Take care. Stay safe. Bye. Cheers guys, have a good one. Hopefully we can bring that three points.